passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, the founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 digital content creator Kenny Stubblefield and the old man of the group, Jonah Jordan. (laughs) He may be the second youngest after me, but he's really the oldest of the group. And we are here today to discuss a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball, but let's get started with the biggest news of today, and that is the postponement of Memphis's third consecutive game, SMU game, uh, will not happen on Thursday night. We broke the news of that on Wednesday morning. So 20 days without a game, very difficult and odd situation. Uh, I think all of us expected postponements and cancellations this year, but three in a row just seems extremely unlucky, especially when none of them are your fault. None of them have been within Memphis's program. Uh, all the COVID cases have come within Temple, UCF, and SMU. So an odd situation to say the least for three consecutive games to be canceled and it all be the opposing team that has the COVID-19 issue. But with that being said, Penny Hardaway spoke to the media on Wednesday. Uh, I think he was obviously a, a little, a little aggravated and I know it wasn't because of the teams getting COVID. He knows that's something that they can't help. It's just because his team has been sidelined for three weeks now, uh, which is, which is difficult. It's difficult to know where you stand when you haven't played an actual game in three weeks Um, but personally, I think this is a big positive for the team. I know that may be a different outlook because most fans, most players want to be playing and or watching games, but I think this is a positive and Kenny, I think you have kind of that same feeling as well. And, uh, just, to just to kind of sum that up a little bit, what are some of the positives, you know, surrounding this 20 day layoff for Memphis? Well, I mean, you know, when you are as a team, when you're insulated with each other, all you can do is rely on each other especially when you're introducing a new offense into the into the um, equation. So the last three weeks that the guys have had, they've been together. They've been basically by themselves as a team growing in, in, in a, you know, in team unity, I guess, which sounds weird, but, but then at the same time, also spending a lot of time, you know, working through the offense, working through, you know, developing new, you know, I guess habits in the offense. Um, but so, I mean, I guess <laughs> I feel like that's probably the only positive I can think of. I mean, they need to play, you know, they need to play. So um, I get the frustration, but yeah, I mean, I think that 
I mean, you even heard it with Lester today in the um, media availability. He he talked about how, you know, he's been able to, you know, see everything at this point with this offense, and and now they're just ready to get out there and, and try it out on, on opponents. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think it's a big positive because, like you said, when you install a new offense and you only have a week to do so, which they did with, you know, going into that South Florida game, that's not easy. That's not an easy thing to do. It's not something that happens very often. So getting three weeks, it's like a little mini training camp that they've gotten over the past several weeks to continue installing the offense and understanding and moving guys around. Penny pointed to DeAndre Williams, uh, you know, being one of the big positives of this, and I completely agree with that because he didn't get to play the first six or seven games. So for him to be able to have this extra practice time, in this new offense, Penny said he was behind on everything because he wasn't getting game reps. So he gets three uh, game re- three uh, games worth of reps, and then now he gets three weeks of practice in this new offense. So I think it's big for him. Uh, that's obviously your most consistent player right now, probably your best all-around player on both ends of the floor. So for him to get up to speed uh, and continue to learn and excel and practice is a big thing. And then from what it sounds like, and I know Penny had a little pushback on this, but Lester said that Alex is back at the starting point guard spot and he's back to the two, which isn't all that surprising considering the way that Alex played in the last game that we saw and we know throughout his career when he's had good games, he's been injected back into the starting lineup or back into a bigger role. So I'm not necessarily surprised by that. I was pretty impressed by Lester at the point guard spot in those two games against Tulsa and South Florida and what he was able to do. Um, but like Penny said, he's been rotating them in and out, letting both of those guys get some starting reps at the point guard. To me, though, from what Lester said, it sounds like Alex is the starting point guard once again, which doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I do, you know, I do think that both of us, and I mean, all three of us um, that are on the that are recording today, have been probably most impressed by Lester handling the ball, not because he's the most dynamic point guard on the team, but because, you know, I I think our entire outlook on what Lester's role with the team has changed over this year in particular, because, you know, when he came in as a recruit in 2019, you know, the, the, the book, the playbook on him was that he was a knockdown shooter, that having Precious and James, in the paint was going to open up the floor for guys like Lester to just camp at the three point line in the corner on the wings and, and him be able to knock it down. That has not happened. That has not come into fruition for Lester. Lester's Lester's not a knockdown shooter. Like we thought he was, he's still a good shooter, but his shots have to come into the flow of the offense. And, and for me, what I saw with him is that his, his, his best, stretch of basketball was when he had the ball in his hands and was able to make decisions and facilitate for the team. Um, so it is a little bit surprising because I, I, I feel like the success that they had and uh, especially against USF was, was, um, was with Lester having the ball, but man, Alex did play a, a really good game in the second half, you know, and, and I'm, I really hope that he can come in and, and continue that trend. I think for I think, you know, one of the negatives about not having a game for three weeks is that, you know, having games, having a an opponent in your sights, having a team that you are you are scouting for, that you are you are you are practicing, you know, their plays. You're figuring out what you're going to run against them. Having a date 
to play is helpful for young kids like that because they're you know it gives them the opportunity to to to, to kind of like I said last time we recorded to hold on to that rope you know and so when you have kind of a three week break there tends to be a little bit of a a a letdown in terms of focus and so it's going to be interesting to me to see you know what happens in this um in this next game on Sunday against Tulsa because they have had 3 weeks to practice the offense but they've also not played a game in 3 weeks and and these kids need need game reps they need it and so um yeah i mean they have instant motivation with Tulsa i mean their last loss was against Tulsa so um they got to come in and and you cannot lose two games in a row to the same team you just can't yeah i agree with what you said i mean they but i don't understand necessarily putting alo right back in the starting lineup i think they found the perfect role for him against usf he was able to come in and disrupt everything they were doing push the pace come off the bench be that disruptor be that guy that provides energy they the big problem this season has been finding roles for the guys that you have they found a role for lester kind of facilitating he's hit a few threes in the context of the offense when they swing the ball his way and he's able to get in rhythm I think his shot is getting better I think he's getting more comfortable I think that's been a big problem with him is comfort but with Alo, I just think he's been miscast as something he's not because of what he did in high school you know he's may just not be that four general guy he may just be that guy who can come in and just absolutely blow up what a team is doing offensively you may not always need him, but they needed him against USF, and it would be really disappointing for me if they just go right back to what they were doing before, which obviously did not work. I don't understand necessarily just throwing him back out there after one good game, so I, I think it'll be interesting to watch because I, I think that'll completely kind of disrupt the flow they had. Yeah, and it could be a situation. We know Penny likes to roll his rotations pretty quickly at the beginning of the game. It could be a scenario where they put Alex in as a starting point guard, give him a few minutes, and then flip Lester back to the point guard and then let the game roll like that and bring Alex in as needed. So we don't know right now what that role is going to look like. This is mainly just speculation of what it could look like if Alex is in the starting lineup. So that will be one of the biggest things to watch on Sunday if, fingers crossed, the game actually does happen. If Memphis has a fourth consecutive game canceled because of COVID, no telling what what the fans are going to do. And at that point it gets even more difficult for the remainder of the season. And that's what I want to talk about next because, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, this was expected. We knew that games were going to be postponed and canceled. That's that's just what was expected this year. It's what happened in college football, and the same was going to be for college basketball. But the more cancellations and more postponements you have, the more difficult this season gets when it comes to rescheduling. Because we saw the UCF game rescheduled pretty quickly. That'll be February 1st at FedEx Forum. But they still don't have a rescheduled date for Temple. And now they'll have to work on a rescheduled date for uh, for SMU as well. Memphis is scheduled to go to SMU in late January. But this will be one of those interesting things, you know. Do will the conference make Memphis play a back-to-back in Dallas, even though this wasn't their fault and they lost a home game, or will the American make SMU come to Memphis and play a back-to-back? So there's no telling w- which way that will go. That's obviously more than likely the two options right now, because putting it at the end of the season is almost not an option because of the conference tournament. 
And then same thing for Temple. I think that reschedulement will look a lot similar to the UCF one. Temple is scheduled to come to Memphis uh, later in February, I believe the 21st of February. So they'll probably have to play a back-to-back in Memphis if they can get that game rescheduled. So this is where everything gets very interesting because this is this is the unknowns of this season. This is the you know the one thing that we've never seen before. We've never seen mass reschedulements of college basketball or sports in general uh, throughout a whole season. So the longer this goes on, the more postponements you have, the more difficult it is to string wins together and be successful once the conference tournament comes around or be in a position, you know, within striking distance of getting a bid, whether it's an auto bid from winning the tournament or an at-large bid or whatever happens, this is when things start to get clustered and get very difficult. Yeah, I think that, well, I think that right now they're in this weird position where they have to win, but it may not matter until the conference tournament for whoever it is in the in the in the American Athletic Conference. You know, like they have to play games, they have to win. But really, does the rest of their schedule matter considering the losses that they have? Like y'all may disagree with me, but I I don't think even if they win out, I don't think they're making their an auto bid to make the tournament. Yeah, I think that's I think that's when it's when it gets close. I mean, like you said, can Memphis get an at large bid even if they win out? Who knows at this point? I mean, I think it would take a a mass destruction from Houston. Houston would have to really slow down, um, and some of those wins would have to look more impressive than they than they do at this point in the season. So that that's a that's a tough question. Can they beat Houston? Another difficult one. I mean, at, and and to me, I've talked about this multiple times. The American is one of the most confusing conferences in college basketball. You never know on any, and and it's a, a general saying in sports on any given night any team can win and that I believe that's true it's why they play the game but in the American it is it is so it feels like so much different than every other conference you look at Tulsa they beat they beat Memphis and then they come back and beat Houston in the next game uh, I believe and that was the first time Houston had been in the top five in however many years so. With this conference, the way this conference works, I, I don't know if a team can reel off 16, 17 straight conference wins. That almost seems impossible in this conference. So I think right now, as of as of the way that things sit today, I think this conference gets one at-large bid and then um, an auto bid forever wins the tournament if that's not already the, the team that's getting an at-large bid, which would be Houston. So it, it's going to be tough for Memphis to make uh, any kind of tournament and I know that's that's kind of been the expectation the past couple of weeks is a lot of people are like, the, the tournament's out of the question. And at this point, it looks very, very slim unless you unless you win the conference tournament. Well, I mean, obviously with Houston, uh, Houston is the best team in the conference. They're the highest ranked. Um, but they're experiencing some turnover right now. You know, they lost their best player who was projected to be conference player of the year in Caleb Mills. Does that change their trajectory? I mean – you know, you look at you look at they could they could end up winning an at large bid because of the the streak that they went on in the beginning of the year being so highly ranked, but then they still have to play games. You know, they still have to play games now. Um, you know, Marcus Sasser's a beast, he's a great point guard, but I mean they've now they don't have Caleb Mills playing for them. So does that kind of narrow the gap for the rest of the teams in the AAC. I think it does. You know, so I think that I think the AAC could get two teams in. I don't I with with Houston where they are right now with their roster with losing Caleb Mills, I don't know if they go in as the favorite to win 
the tournament. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point because Caleb Mills was their best player, just announced his transfer to Florida State. Um, but Marcus Sasser, very good player, lit up Memphis last year. And then also Quentin Grimes is going to be in the running right. for Conference Player of the Year. Right. So they still have two of the, what, probably top five, top seven players in the conference. So I think even without Caleb Mills, they're still the front runner. Uh, and that is kind of scary to think about because even without their best player, they're still a very, very good team. And we know how good of a coach Kelvin Sampson is. So this uh, this next month and a half is going to be very, very interesting Memphis is going to have to play if they if they get a full schedule they're going to have to play 17 games over the next month and a half. So basically a, what is that more than a game every other day on on average it's like one point a game every 1.8 days or something crazy like that. So it's going to be quick, it's going to come fast and it's going to be back and forth. I mean, it's going to be back to backs two games in 3 days more often than not. So well, and you think about it in this sense too, one of the positives for the Tigers and having these 3 weeks off is you know, the Tigers were banged up. You know, they've been banged up this entire year. Damian with his back, Malcolm with his knees, uh, Alo with his thumb. Um, you know, there's been some there's been some some injuries on the team. These three weeks might have, you know, they, they come back completely retooled their their entire lineup and play here. So, you know, I, I think that the Tigers they've they've got to play games. They have to play games. None of this is their fault, you know, and, and it is what it is being a COVID season. It is what it is. These things were always going to happen. Um, but once they get rolling and once they start playing games, man, they have to be on their P's and Q's. They cannot lose. They cannot lose any games. They have to win every game that they can possibly play. <laughs> so it's a big time. It, it's a, it's going to be a crazy couple of months. Absolutely. It's going to be a tough mountain to climb for the University of Memphis. But since there is so little to talk about this week, I want to take a quick break. And then on the other side, I want to talk about something that Kenny's going to be very excited about. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA because Memphis has two rookies in the NBA that have been making a big impact this year. So we will hit that briefly and then move right along to football. Me and Jonah got a couple of questions that we want to answer. So let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back on the other side. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. 
Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back, everyone. And as I mentioned before the break, we're going to switch it up a little bit just to make Kenny happy. Just because we love Kenny, we want to talk about the NBA a little bit. Yes. Um, so Memphis had two players taken in the first round this year, James Wiseman at number two, and then Precious Achiwa later on in the draft by the Miami Heat. Precious made his first start, first career start on Tuesday night, played 36 minutes, career high 17 points, career high 13 rebounds, uh, three assists, and a block. In a loss, uh, overtime loss to the Philadelphia 76ers, it was if you if you didn't catch it, it was a very very entertaining back and forth game. I think five players scored over 25 points or something crazy like that. Um, and James Wiseman played once again last night, had eight points, nine rebounds, two blocks. So not his best performance. Uh, was in foul trouble, finished the game with five fouls, and the Warriors lost that game. But nonetheless, been very impressive this year. So I want to hear Kenny's thoughts because I know he's a big NBA guy, pays a lot of attention to the NBA. What have you thought so far about Precious and James and specifically talk about Precious's game last night? Well, before I get started talking about Precious, because I didn't get a chance to see Precious play last night. I've, I've watched a lot of his his games. But before we get started on the NBA, um, I did want to say one thing. Um, I saw Jonah tweet earlier today. Um, about snowboarding, and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Um, I, I'm I'm in, I'm dedicated now. I've I've decided I'm gonna do it. Jonah, can I just caution you that you have a no. hard time walking upstairs? Okay. No, I'm good. I'm so good. I would recommend for your knees' sake to never ever even think about looking at a snowboard. I'm gonna wear those goggles <laughs> and I'm gonna look so good. Anyway, like it's gonna be awesome. Anyway, in lieu of um, Jonah's medical bills, send a um, send your <laughs> donations to Go Tigers two four seven. Anyway, so with Precious, yeah, I didn't get a chance to see him play last night, but um, I did see some highlights, and one of the things that I think Precious is is showing immediately in Christian and Brooks and I back when Precious was being when when he. Um, declared for the draft one of the things that we said is precious is his style of play what he does well runs perfectly for the nba's modern big man you know he's going to be able to play a stretch five a stretch four it's going to be perfect for him and you saw that even yesterday in his first start there was a play um, i think it was off an offensive rebound where Precious got an offensive rebound in the paint and took it up against Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid's a monster. I mean, he's one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen in my entire life. But when you're a big man playing defense and there's a when 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 an offensive guy gets a rebound and you're playing defense, the expectation is is that there's going to be a kind of a coming together of your bodies in the paint, boom, bang off each other and then go up. A big man times his defensive blocks and and his jumping off of that kind of that that banging together. 
Well, Precious got the rebound, and instead of trying to bang against a seven foot two monster, just quick jumped Joel and went up and made a layup against him. Um, and those are the kind of things that are are going to be so impactful for any team that Precious plays for, whether it's Miami, whoever it may be. Um, as he goes on in his career, is just his athleticism. I mean, you saw him yesterday, and just even in the highlight package that I saw, you saw him making elbow jumpers. You saw him taking the ball to the basket, rebounding. His athleticism is just um, off the charts, and and I think the NBA game is suited perfectly for a guy like for a guy like Precious. And um, yeah, I'm just I was I'm, I've been really impressed with his development. And, and the things that I've seen out of him in this early year. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think another thing that is going to help him throughout his career in the NBA is his motor. And we, t- we talked about that in that same episode you were talking about with, uh, with you, me, and Brooks, talking about his, his outlook for the NBA. And a lot of that centered around his motor as well. He's nonstop up and down the floor, has no problem making effort, plays on defense, and doing the dirty work on offense. And that's the kind of player that he is. So... It translates well because he's not one of the I have to get my shots or I'm not impacting the game kind of guys. He can impact the game without scoring. Um, And I think through his first nine or ten, I think they've played nine or ten games this year, um, he's played a decent amount, but I think we will see his role continue to expand as the year goes on. You know, obviously with getting that start, playing 36 minutes, which I believe was his most by about 14 or 15 minutes this year, shows that he is starting to come along. They are starting to trust him to play more minutes. And that's that's kind of what I expected, not only out of Precious, but a lot of these rookies because they really didn't get any practice time with these teams. And speaking of not getting practice times with teams, James Wiseman didn't get much practice time at all with Golden State Warriors uh, due to COVID-19. Him and Draymond missed the majority of preseason practices and the way that James has come out is exactly what we expected, maybe even a little more than I expected for for no practices and you know going directly into his rookie year with a new team. And I know a lot of people want to talk about LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards and all these other guys that are more, quote-unquote, more flashy. But to me, there's nothing more flashy than a seven-foot-one big man going coast-to-coast. And James has done that at least three or four times so far in his rookie year, which is insane because you just don't see guys of his size doing that. And, Kenny, we were trying to tell people. We tried to tell people this is what he was going to do at the next level, and everyone wanted to say Golden State was going to use him as a, you know, as a, as a picking, as a picking basically alley-oop guy. They, they want him to pick and roll and go to the basket, stay down low, but Steve Kerr is an incredible coach and saw that this dude is immensely talented for and immensely skilled for a seven foot one center and knows that he can play in the open floor, knows that he can play in space. And uh, like I said, he didn't have his best game on Tuesday night in that loss. He had eight points and nine rebounds, but he had an absolutely absurd block. If you haven't seen that clip yet, go check it out. I think Brooks retweeted it off the main account. Uh, he absolutely smashed the ball off the backboard and it bounced all the way back to the three-point line. And it's just, uh, it's very impressive to see what he's done in a short time in the NBA and to then think about his potential and his ceiling at the next level is insane because I think he can be a premier five in the league. I think he can be a premier, you know, top five, top 10 big man in the next coming years. I mean, he's still extremely young, very inexperienced, but he has all the physical tools that say, okay, this guy can be elite in the NBA. 
So well, he's from, going up against last night. <laughs> last night was a rough game for a couple of reasons. He got caught up. This is what happens when you're a rookie in the NBA. There are going to be games where it's like every foul that you didn't get called for for the last four or five games it's going to get just going to come into a, a like a waterfall almost where it's just one right after another after another and some of them were like his fifth foul the 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 um he got called for a moving screen it was not a moving screen but he was the guy that was guarding him is a veteran and so nba refs just call they make they make random calls against rookies all the time and also james was going up against a guy if you're an nba guy and you haven't watched DeMontis Sabonis play, that guy is a beast. Like, he is one of the most underrated big men in the league. And he put James in the ringer a few times. I think it was even the first play down in the first quarter. Man, he had James swinging. Like, he had him doing, a, you know, circles. And so, um, but he did. I mean, he's, we've seen it with James already. Um, you know, I remember at the beginning of, of of the year um there was a, a a hot thread on the board about James and some ESPN guys calling him his ceiling being Hassan Whiteside and I said it on the boards I said Hassan Whiteside right now is waking up th- wishing that he had the talent and the skill set that James has right now on the offensive end of the floor. Hassan is a, um, a, 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 a decent shot blocker, a, a, a great rebounder, but Hassan Whiteside will never have the offensive skill set that James has right now. And we're, we're talking nine games in. And you mentioned earlier, Christian, James didn't get a chance to play during the, during the, the, the off season, the, the real quick training camp. And, and I mean, I don't even think they had any, um, exhibition games. I think they went straight into. Now they had they had a few exhibition games, um, maybe four. Um, but not only did James not have that with the team, but he also went a year without playing real basketball. You know, and so if this is what we're seeing out of him right now, nine games in, you know, imagine what it's going to look like when he's acclimated to the speed of the game, acclimated to the physicality of the NBA game. Um, he's We're seeing growth in him that I think James is going to end up being probably top two or three center in the game in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's safe to say with the skill level and talent that he has. But yeah, I think you made a perfect point, and that was something I wanted to hit on as well. Playing against the Pacers, which for you know, for my money, is one of the best front courts in the league with Miles Turner and Sabonis uh, having to go up against those two guys who both played 35 plus minutes. So pretty much every time James was in the game, those guys were on the floor as well. Was not an easy task, and he still had a pretty decent stat line other than the fouls. So very bright outlook for these two guys, James Wiseman and Precious Achiwa, moving forward. Uh, I know a lot of Memphis fans are excited about their NBA future, and so are we. But with that being said, let's take another quick break and then we will come back on the other side and talk a little bit of football. Me and Jonah have some questions to get to. uh, But with that being said, let's hear from our sponsors.
national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back, everyone, and it is now time to talk football, which has been a very hot topic over the past week or so, especially with no basketball games and a lot of movement with Memphis's roster. And Jonah, that brings us to the point of Obina Eze and TJ Carter, two of the top-rated uh, players from Memphis's 2017 class. Uh, Obina was a two-year starter. TJ was a four-year starter. Both guys are now gone. Obina has landed at TCU. TJ just announced his transfer on Tuesday afternoon. A lot of people were surprised by this. Uh, I know you weren't because you alluded to it on the boards, I believe, about a week ago. So, and this is a this is a little bit of a of a weird question because I know these are guys that we've known for a long time and been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. But are these as big of losses as some people are making them out to be? So, with Obina, I'm going to go no. No, I don't think so because he really struggled last year he really really struggled I mean me and you've talked about it a ton there were moments where he was just getting run around I mean I know one a team uh reached out to me and was like hey we're watching his film we may we may hit him up I'm like oh, go, go ahead I think he's going to TCU but go ahead and they watched his film and they're like oh why is he going to TCU he's not he he's not a power five left tackle right now and I was like yeah I mean I hate to say it, but yeah, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't good enough. I think in his first year, he showed so much potential. And then this last year, he just wasn't able to put it together. Not to say that he can't or he won't have a stellar last season. I Like, I think of the world of this kid. I don't want people to think I'm bashing him. This kid will sit and talk to you about anything. He's got such a good head on his shoulders. He's such a good talker. He's so he's such a hard worker. He's such a good student. Like, I have a million Obinese stories. He just wasn't great. So that one, I think with the addition of Dobbs from Michigan State, Memphis can kind of retool that offensive line. I think they're, they could hit the portal to add another offensive lineman. They have a bunch of young talent there that are big guys, and they added Mikhail Pounders, who I he's all, he could be really good. 
So offensive line, I'm a little less there. But if they had been able to keep TJ Carter, this defense would have been a little better. So that's that's a hit. But I never thought I never got Christian. Did you ever get the impression he was staying? No, I never it, did. It, it never really felt like that to me. And I kind of want to go position by position on this too because I have my own thoughts about yeah. both. But I but I, I do agree with you on Obina. It felt like every game he was getting beat last year, which was hard to watch because, you know, like I said, we we do build relationships with these guys and, you know, listening to his stories about trying to learn the game of football because he didn't start playing until, what, his junior year of high school? Yep. Played basketball before that. Right. So he's still trying to learn the game. Uh, He's a very thoughtful kid. I've done a ton of interviews with him. Very thoughtful person. Very good kid. It just didn't translate last year, and a lot of people said it's because Dylan Parham wasn't next to him, and I agree with that, but that should not be an excuse for you to not play up to par is because you don't have an all-conference lineman next to you. Left tackle is the number one position on the offensive line. It's the most important. It's the blindside tackle, and it shouldn't matter who's next to you. You should be good enough to anchor that spot, and he just wasn't this year. He looked a little bit slow. Uh, He looked like he was thinking more than just playing at times like he did uh, in 2019. In 2019, he was aggressive. He was mean. Uh, I think specifically back to that South Florida game, it's like he was dumping one of their players every single snap. And I did not see that same fire from him this year. It just did, it, He didn't look as interested this season. Uh, so maybe that had something to do with it. Um, do but you I don't think, think that's a big loss. Do you think a move to a right tackle would have benefited him because I think that was the direction it may have been heading next season if he had stayed at Memphis. I, I think it I think it could have, but here's the thing, and this is why it kind of doesn't matter. What NFL team is going to take a 6'8", 315 pound offensive exactly. lineman and put him at right tackle? Yep. That's a left that's a left tackle body. So he has to adjust to playing left tackle and he needs to do that this year at TCU. We'll see what happens. I know we're not really concerned about that because it's it's not our job to be concerned about <laughs> Yeah, but I'm confident he'll get it together because he is such a hard worker. And they've got good coaches over there, so I'm sure he'll get it together. I don't want to come people to leave this. And my that's my big fear. People to leave this and say I'm bashing Obina. I just think, you know, he struggled, whatever. But I'm sure he'll get it together and become the NFL prospect that he wants to be because I think that's a lot of what fueled this decision. Yeah, and and the reason I'm not too concerned about Obina's departure is just like Jonah alluded to, Devontae Dobbs, Royce White, McKaylin Pounders, they brought in guys that can come in and compete for a starting job immediately. So um, I think they'll be fine on the offensive line when you look at what they have. Ryan Silverfield, Jim Bridge, two very highly respected guys on the offensive line. I think they'll fix that relatively quickly. And Jonah, you mentioned you know T.J. Carter is a big loss for this defense, and I and I think that is true. A guy with that much experience and you know being a veteran, being in the program for that long, but it makes me excited to see what some of these young guys do um, because there was a couple younger guys that didn't get on the field last year that I expected to. In Devontae Nelson and Andarius Coffey, neither one of them played, so they'll be going into their redshirt freshman season. Uh, You also bring in a guy like Julian Barnett from Michigan State who could immediately uh, contend for one of those starting corner jobs. Jacoby Francis comes back. You add five defensive backs in the 2021 class. So the future is now for Memphis's defensive backfield, specifically at corner. Because even though Jacoby Francis is coming back, I don't think that starting job is just a lock to be – it's not a lock. They're not just going to give it to him. 
No, absolutely no. not. Especially with the, the talent that they have coming in from a high school level and a guy like Julian Barnett, who, like I said, should compete for a starting job right away. So the future is now for that cornerback position. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see who fills in where, uh, who they move to nickel. Uh, I know Jacoby has played nickel in the past, so they could slide him to nickel if they'd like two outside corners better. Uh, they could slide one of the freshmen to nickel. The only guy that I don't think is going to play nickel is Julian Barnett, and that's because he's 6'2", yeah. 190 pounds. He's an outside corner all day. So don't forget at though, that, you know, don't forget about Laundry Thomas. Just saying, don't forget, don't forget he's coming back. Right, and that and same thing. It'll be interesting to see where he slots in because that safety spot next to Quindell wasn't great. So do they slot him back in at safety? Do they move him back to his original position at corner? So. I think this defensive backfield will be very fun to watch. And the best part about it, especially with a guy like LaAndre who's bounced back positions, it's a new coaching staff. So they're not just going to say, okay, you played safety two years ago, so you're a safety. They're going to look at him at both positions and see where he fits best. So the secondary to me is the position to watch on defense. Uh, I know a lot of the linebackers are coming back. There'll be some turnover on the defensive line. But the secondary, I've been excited about it. You know, since they started getting some of these guys in 2021 and adding Julian Barnett only added to that excitement. So very, very interested to see what goes on in the future of Memphis's secondary. Yeah, and I know people are worried about the transfers. Like um, my boy Bathtub Jen on the on the boards was like, what's going on? What's going on? Settle. Settle down. It's not, it's not an indictment of the program. It's not an indictment of Ryan Silverfield. I think it's more of an indictment of college football in general that this is happening. And it's not, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like sure. TJ Carter were coming back would have been great, but I think they've prepared for that. I think they prepared for Obina possibly leaving. Like I'm pretty sure Dylan Parham will be back. I'm pretty sure they'll add to the transfer portal. Everything's going to be okay. Now, if like tomorrow Taj Washington and half the receiver core, like, Hey, we're out. I'm like, okay, that's a little concerning, but for now, these two guys, I think they got their NFL feedback, and the NFL feedback was, hey, we'd like to see you against better competition, and it just, that wasn't the reality. Like, you just can't do that at Memphis. So, they had to move on, and it is what it is. Memphis will continue recruiting at a high level and continue replacing it. I, I think, you know, they just added two four-stars, two former top 100 guys. Everything's going to be okay. Just settle down. Yeah, and, and I think you make a perfect point with T.J. Carter because he proved everything he could prove at Memphis. He's played, started four years, 46 games, played every receiver this conference has to offer, and if his draft feedback wasn't what he wanted it to be and he felt like going and, and playing against better competition is is the move that he needs to make, then then that's a good move for him. Uh, who knows where he'll land or where he, where he will end up, but I'm sure he'll garner a lot of interest because he has a lot of a lot of college football under his belt. So last thing before we get out of here, Jonah, Calvin Austin has been the topic of conversation over the past couple of days. A ton of questions about him on the board. We don't want to give everything away. We don't have too much to give away. Yeah. Uh, so we want to stay a, li- a, li- a little neutral on this. But what what is the latest on Calvin Austin and what have you heard uh, over the past several days about him? There, I th- I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this that isn't going to make people upset, but... There has been some interest in Calvin Austin possibly moving on from Memphis. Not to say that he is, not to say that he won't. There are some people who think it's rumors, some people who think it's just speculation. I don't know if he's made up his mind up one way or the other. Some people think he has, some people think he hasn't. 
I think it's just to let Calvin play out this process, get his NFL feedback back, um, and think things through. Because, you know, like, he's in a position where he just put up his best numbers ever. He put together a season that, sh- that put some people on notice. Let's be honest. I mean, that move in the in the Montgomery Bowl where that got him open for a touchdown blew up on Twitter, went everywhere. If he's... Coming back to Memphis next year, he will be possibly an all AAC guy. I think he's a guy that could be an all American. Like I, I don't think it's yeah. unreasonable. And and if he does decide to come back to college, if he if he, you know, like like you said, there's still not much clarity on the situation of if he's trying to dabble into the NFL, if he's thinking about transferring. There's a lot of speculation right now. That's where why we're trying to yeah. kind of keep this at bay and keep this fenced in because at this point most of it is speculation. But if he decides to come back to school, why would he not come back to Memphis? All you have to do is turn on Grant Gannell's highlights and say, oh, I did what I did last season with Brady White. What can I do with this guy under center? And I think anyone that that pays attention and that is thinking about their future, like I know Calvin is because he's a very smart kid, as soon as he turns on that Grant Gannell tape, it, it should be a pretty easy decision for him to stay at Memphis because thinking about what those two could potentially do together is a, uh, it should be pretty scary for the rest of the conference. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think Calvin is a really, really special player. He's super fast. He's really smart. Like it's the it would be irresponsible for the people around him and himself to not be thinking about his future. It would be irresponsible. I mean, Memphis coaching staff's thinking about his future, too. Everybody is. Everybody's like, what can this kid be? But I don't think we know just yet. So everybody pull the reins, just calm down, and let it play out. And I think it'll play out in Memphis's favor. So we uh, we knocked out a 40-minute episode on something that we didn't think we had any content. It seems to be the theme around here. When there's nothing to talk about, we somehow pull out 45 minutes. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed basketball conversation, NBA conversation, a little bit of football conversation. Uh, if you are still needing more information, head over to GoTigers247.com. Jonah and I have been posting a ton in the football VIP boards. There are some basketball VIP updates that we've passed along over the past couple of days. So for anything Memphis football or basketball related that you need, head over to the site and we will have you covered on that. Guys, anything else? I'm good. I'm all good. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you're interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis Athletic Program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are published daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for a VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.